Liz, <laughs> welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. So we're going to be talking about life after death and how you became, can I say, a, a believer in that? Um, I think there's a preponderance of evidence that points that it's most likely probable, but I wouldn't quite call myself a believer. I also, I, I have sort of issues with that word because I think it means like belief doesn't necessarily rely on evidence and I'm like a very science-minded evidence-based person. So I consider myself a very logical-minded person. I just never really gave this topic much thought. I mean, who doesn't think about it some, but I sort of pushed it away because I never had any reason before to ever think there would be an afterlife. I'm not religious. I'm a cultural Jew, but I never believed in God. I never just religion was not part of my life. I was raised in New York as a secular Jew and you know, anything like psychic mediums, anything like that, I just thought was complete for weird people and just complete nonsense. So it just was not, it just wasn't on my radar at all. And it all started, um, unfortunately, my dad passed away in 2015. I'm an only child, really close to my family. And I just kind of had this thought. I didn't really believe it, but I thought, you know, well, what if you could turn back time and I could have saved him? And I then thought how so much that's just considered science fiction comes true. And I just kind of in that desperate, unable to process the world state, took some time and read a book on time travel. And what I found just absolutely fascinating, reading a lot of Einstein's theories, is that time travel is possible. Not realistically possible, but theoretically. And that just showed to me that one of the things we take most for granted as fact, and just exactly how it's presented to us, such as time, is a lot more, a bit, I, I kind of, I'll use the word illusion, but that's not exactly accurate. It's, but it's not literally the way we perceive it. So then I just had this, to me, it was a completely out there thought that, okay, so my brain, and this is what I thought at the time, my brain has created a experience of consciousness that's me. My father's brain had created an experience of consciousness that was him. When you die, you die, that's it. But what if another set of neurons down the line in like 200 years would create an experience of being a me again? Not Liz, not the same person, not karma related or anything, but just why could it not be an experience that was a me? It, there's absolutely nothing about basic material science, neuroscience that could prevent that. So I just basically Googled that and that's kind of where everything started to happen. I found it, two researchers, the late Dr. Ian Stevenson, and then currently Dr. Jim Tucker. They are child psychiatrists, professors of psychiatry at the University of Virginia. And Dr. Stevenson originally was studying cases of kids with past life memories. And Dr. Jim Tucker took over his research. And from there, it was just, I mean, to me, I didn't as I started reading, I thought there was going to be almost zero chance they'd be having any positive findings. And they just, the cases they were studying just absolutely, just complete life game changer. And then, you know, you find them and then you start finding all these other serious researchers in the whole field of survival of consciousness. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I actually didn't. I went to typical undergrad, had a great time, but my family was always very intellectually minded. You know, my father had degrees in business at Wharton. My mother is a psychoanalyst and had extensive degrees. She spent a lot of time around neuroscientists. So it was just a very, I guess, growing up in the area I did of New York, a very intellectual culture. And, you know, my, I guess my father always wanted me to pursue higher education, but I'm more of a active go doer person than a school person. So I didn't go do it, but I've always been very, I guess you could say intellectually curious, even though, you know, maybe school wasn't as much the way I love to do things as much as going and testing and exploring. This can go in a whole different direction. Yeah. And I mean, this is just myself quoting the research of Dr. Tucker and the team at University of Virginia. I haven't personally researched this myself studying cases, but yeah, the kids, one of the main consistencies is the kids tend to have really strong memories until about five then they tend to forget them. They tend to have a lot of emotional reactions to the trauma of their death. And what Dr. Tucker noticed is that when he would work with children who experienced what we call like a normal trauma, and you know, in this lifetime, they would do a certain kind of trauma play in his office, or it would be noticed at home too. They would have their toys and just keep replaying the incident. And the kids with the past life memories would play their death out or maybe some other trauma from their past life. They just kept playing it out the same way that kids did trauma play. Very emotionally affected. And I mean, that wasn't what drew him to conclude that he thinks there are, that we live multiple lives. It was that they would share memories and some of the kids, these memories would check out and they'd find just remarkable amounts of information that matched up with someone who passed away that the kid would never have known about. Mm. So and you are uh, and consider yourself an atheist, correct? Yeah, maybe more an evidentialist okay. would be the word, but I definitely don't believe in God. I've never seen any evidence that would back up a God. So, so. did the findings that you the, that you read, uh, did that help you? or putting you on a path of understanding that there is the possibility of life after death. And did you have any personal experience as far as uh, your own proof or evidence that there could possibly be uh, life after death? Definitely. And I mean, I've come to conclude, I think life after death is most likely, but I don't think that has to have anything to do with a God or heaven or the way organized religion talks about it. The two are just in my mind, have absolutely nothing to do with each other. But I started to have a lot of what you could say were personal experiences. I decided in finding Dr. Jim Tucker, I found some researchers who were studying psychic mediums, such as Dr. Julie Beischel and Mark Bacuzzi at Winbridge. Eventually that led me to the Forever Family Foundation. And I started reading about and I believe I read a book early on by Dr. Diane Hennessy Powell, and all of them discussed scientific studies on psychic mediums and how they would put very tight controls in and mediums would still just get very accurate information. So I finally thought, wow, you know, maybe I'll go get my own medium reading. And I ended up really starting to get lots of medium readings and collecting data and hiding all my information and 
some of the mediums were getting just shockingly accurate information that there's just no normal way they could have known it. And that began of some of my personal experiences as well as having like a few kind of weird, maybe what some people would use the word spiritual experiences myself. So um, do you, well, I've, I've had experience with friends and uh, people, friends of friends, you know, have gone to mediums and things like that, but they, they've been blown away. However, you've seen on TV, you read about this and you hear also, I've heard firsthand where people say, but you know what? They got it right. They're asking me this and asking. I said, well, that was exactly it. They're asking and you're feeding them the information. Uh, so I, I just want to put this out there that I'm sure that there are mediums out there who do that. And we have to be aware of that and be cautious. But uh, somebody such as yourself, you probably are highly aware of that. So you don't feed them the information. So therefore, you've concluded that they are genuine. Uh, um, some of them. And yeah, I don't feed the information. I don't give them my name. I do all sorts of precautions. And then I just say yes, no. So a combination of my getting readings, getting to know some of these mediums personally, and then scientists studying them under, I mean, much tighter controls than I can even put in, you know, in laboratories and, you know, by researchers, you know, places like the University of Virginia, places as I said, Winbridge, Forever Family Foundation. I mean, doing up to quintuple blinded studies on psychic mediums, and they're still getting information significantly beyond the odds of chance. So it's when all of it comes together from my personal experiences to researchers, to getting to know these people personally, some becoming very close friends of mine. I mean, all that has come to change mm. my mind and think there's definitely something going on. So in your book, um... WTF, what the fuck just happened? Right. <laughs> Do you go over some of these, um, if you want to call them blind studies or studies or um, uh, how they came to the point of determining that there is possible life after death? Or is this all pretty much uh, your personal findings and your personal experience that you talk about in your book? It's a combination of both. I go into one of the Winbridge studies, and then I direct people to the Winbridge site because they have just extensive research. It's pretty much my experiences, but taking people through how I found this research, and then a little bit of the standouts of the research, then how I responded to that, all the way into my own personal experiences of when I started meeting mediums, meeting the people at the Forever Family Foundation, where I started volunteering, um, going to classes on psychic mediumship, taking a spoon bending workshop. Really? And kind of all, like lots of awkward moments as, you know, I was trying to catch mediums cheating. And, you know, I'm gonna be honest, some, I did encounter some frauds in my research and I did encounter some very genuine ones, but I mean, none of the ones that have been certified by scientists that I found along the way ever we're caught cheating. Like I've come to think that I really believe in the protocols of both Forever Family and Winbridge because all the ones that I've got to meet personally or have readings with were exceptionally mm. evidential and accurate. And I've seen them do this again and again in other group readings too, as I've gotten to know them and go to more. So it just, you know, if you were to take just one aspect of this, I think it could be easily dismissed. But when I start putting all of my experiences 
together. I really have concluded that there's a percent of mediums that really seem to be doing what they claim they can. I can't find any other explanation for what they're doing that's, you know, doesn't say somehow the laws of the universe are different than Mm -hmm. we think. Jumping back into your discoveries in on life after death, uh, can you give us your exact title of your book and where folks can find your book? Sure. My book is called What the Fuck Just Happened, spelled WTF. So WTF Just Happened, a sciencey skeptic explores grief, healing, and evidence of an afterlife. And you can find it on my website where I link to Amazon as well as sell signed copies on my website, which is WTFJustHappened.net. I'm also really active on Instagram, which is I link to on my okay. website. This topic is really of uh, interest to me and a lot of our listeners. And I know that there's there are just as many skeptics, if not more, you know, than I'm just going to use the word believers for, for the others. Uh, because I think I'm in the same position as you are. I, I, I want to use that word believe and say I believe, but I'm skeptical. There's so much evidence behind it that there has to be something there, some kind of truth. My question has always been, and I have a personal thought on this or feeling, is, is there a time limit? Say, you know, you have one that passes. How much time are they going to be here on earth to do what they're doing are they stuck in purgatory are they in limbo someplace or do they move on after a certain time and or why are they in limbo do you have any thoughts feelings or answers to any of that um well i've had like grandparents come in who and great grandparent who's you know been deceased for a long time um this is just getting a little into speculation i can't say there's evidence. I mean, I don't see why there couldn't be, you couldn't go to the other dimensions, whatever that would mean after our consciousness passes and still be able to communicate through a medium or send signs. Why would that mean you were stuck and not going to the next level you were supposed to? I don't think the two are mutually exclusive in any way, shape or form. First of all, second of all, like, yeah, I mean, I think there have been so much studies where sometimes they'll even talk to people who passed away maybe 300 years ago in some research. And beyond that, I mean, we just don't know. I mean, there's theories that time works differently. There's been stunned, you know, by Dr. Heen Rose that time kind of bends a lot. I mean, yeah, why could to go after they pass away and communicate? I don't think So is this like interstellar and the interdimensional? I mean, it almost sounds like... Maybe, maybe. um, The other thing too is, of course, we have all the... uh, We'll have the folks who don't buy into this at all. But they are the same ones as kids, teenagers that played with a Ouija board. And they say, Mm -hmm. I didn't move it. Did you move it? I swear I didn't move it. What... What, what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> the Ouija board. Uh, right. I know. I know. I know. I'm just throwing a lot of things out there, but this to me oh, plays I, into I, a lot of this life after death. Do you buy into it? Do you believe it? Where is it? 
so many people have played with the Ouija board. It's a consumer game game product that's out there. Okay. But then I've put my hand on it. I swear that I did not move it. But it's moving around the board. Yeah. I don't I mean, I personally have never had an experience with the Ouija board. We played with them at camp. Like it was moving, everyone was like, What the fuck is going on? And then we found out one of our friends in the group was uh. moving it, you know. So I never had an, any inexplicable experiences with the Ouija board. But I think anyone who has, it's kind of what's done it's something called like p well we don't know if it's pk would it be something from the other side but it's somehow something non-material affecting matter and it seems to be some form of consciousness and i once bent a spoon and i also witnessed spoon bending that i will say i have i'm absolutely convinced was genuine so those two experiences together i think it might be similar that seems to be our own consciousness affecting matter which maybe that's what a ouija board is they're um probably similar which and that's called pk psychokinesis and maybe it's like a consciousness from the other side moving it maybe but either which way even if it's ours that still shows that con our consciousness can behave non-locally and affect matter in some way so yeah. and then also that shows i mean at most skeptics will say spoon bending is complete bullshit. i thought it was stage magic before i mean i just never thought about it much i was like oh of course it's stage magic and then i did it myself i'm sure there is stage magic of spoon bending but i did it and i can tell you it wasn't stage magic when i did it and then when i witnessed it and give a lot of reasons for why i know it wasn't stage magic when i witnessed it which i'm happy to share if you want absolutely but... because that's one of the things that what is it uh do we call was the great Randy, you know, disputed and said that the you know, amazing, amazing Randy, Randy right? Like, Here's how it's done. It's not, it's not real. Um, yeah. If you can, right. if you can let us know your experience mm -hmm. behind that and how, how you did it. Yeah. How I did it. Well, <laughs> yeah. I can't begin to tell you how I did it, but I, I go into kind of details in my book, but I was at, um, one of, our forever family mediums this was way before i was volunteering at forever family but this medium who's one of ours um laura lynn jackson did an event and i went she passed out spoons and told us to bend them i was like oh, right right and then i felt it get super hot and then just almost felt like liquid like i just easily bent it over and i can't begin to tell you how i did that but it i did i still have the spoon of course and then what i think adds to the evidence i'll give two things I think add to the evidence. Um, a couple years later, I'm at an event for Forever Family in Florida. And I, I don't know if you, if you or your audience are familiar with Lloyd Arbach. He's a parapsychologist. He's very logical, very thorough, very skeptical himself, but has concluded this is genuine. He's also a stage magician, so he knows what to look for. And he put together a spoon bending event at Forever Family. And there were, it was like about maybe about five of us in the room at this conference. And we were all about the same size, like pretty small women. And I knew a few of them personally to know how genuine they are. Like there's a psychic medium who Forever Family certified, who I know personally, Janet Mayer was there and a few others, some who were some of our certified mediums and some who said they had psychic medium abilities and were at this conference to develop them a little further. And then there was me who has no abilities. 
And, well, I mean, some people say everyone has some form, but I basically wouldn't consider myself someone who has these abilities. And Lloyd put out a bunch of spoons and forks to bend, and I kept trying to bend them, and I couldn't this time. I can't begin to tell you why it happened that one time at Laura's, and I've never been able to do it since. But I kept trying to bend them, and I couldn't, and then I was passing the ones I couldn't bend off to Janet and to some of the other women who had abilities, again, all the same size, and no one's using strength, and they were just bending them up. And when I told them what it felt like to me at Laura's, they agreed it felt like that, except it happens much more easily with them. Then the other bit of evidence I'll add to it is, again, Lloyd Arbach. He writes in his book, one of his books, that they, after some people did spoon bending, I don't remember who, but he sent the, some of the spoons to a metallurgist, and the metallurgist studied the grain boundary bends, and in the, in the same spoons where someone used strength the, and how metal is supposed to behave, the grain boundaries were all broken. In the spoon bending, they were stretched and did not behave the way metal, broken metal or bent metal normally does when it's bent with strength. I just thought that was an interesting addition to it. I guess to explain to people out there, I'm not for sure either between the, the break and the bending, but I, I would imagine the stretching is more of a heat type of situation where you're not breaking. And so with the heat, it actually allows it to, that metal stretches. Uh, so there is a difference when you look at it. That's what I believe. I mean, I think a metallurgist could yeah. answer this better than me, but from my understanding is that it's like a heating, a melting, you know, softening. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't know either, but that's what I take from it too. Uh, you know, you kind of mentioned about the mind. I believe that the mind, the brain is a powerful tool. We hear that we only use 10%, 3%, whatever it is. So if you're able to tap into more of it, you can do, there's more abilities that we could possibly do. Okay, so I have to jump right in and make a clarification or a correction. Uh, when I said 10% or 3% of the brain, that apparently is just a myth. We use nearly all of our brain. In fact, on a daily basis, we use just about 100% of our brain power. So just a correction on that, thanks. We can make ourselves believe or see things that really may not be there. And so I'm doing this as a skeptic where right. You're in the desert, as an example, and you're thirsty and you see the mirage. It's not really there, but it's our minds playing the tricks because we're getting dehydrated and things are happening chemically within our bodies. So we have illusions. Now, people who possibly have communication or see their loved ones who have passed, is it possible that that's what's happening? They love them so much. They miss them so much. They convince themselves, I see them. I've heard from them. Is that a possibility? Definitely. In fact, if you want the truth, that'd be the first thing I would go mm -hmm. to, you know, unless you get evidence, like you have to go for the most obvious. Like, I like to think it's more and I I'm not dismissing it could be more, but I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that scientifically, like logically, it's the first thing you should think. Maybe it's an illusion. Although you do have to also open it and compare it. And some people say it felt different than anything I've ever felt. And it felt different than when I imagined things. But, you know, you can't really consider someone just thinking they see something as anything more than anecdotal 
that's interesting. Let's add this. And it's, I think it's worth considering either which way, but I don't think it should sway anyone that something more is going on. Now, where it gets into something more is going on is when there's something that's backed up. Like multiple people see this person at the same time or they see this person who comes to them with a message and they had no idea this person died. The person wasn't even sick. Um, this person gives them information that they could not have known. That's, you know, it needs to have that second layer to be really considered most likely mm -hmm. not just an imagination. Um, I'm, I'm also guessing that you have to kind of know what you're looking for or you have to be able to, and this could go both ways, interpret certain things that happen around you to be able to know that that is a sign of communication that whether somebody from beyond is trying to communicate with you. And I, I, al I also believe that it doesn't necessarily have to be someone you know or, or a loved one. Um, could that be true where it could be a perfect stranger or somebody that you've had very little contact with? As an example, you have that feeling, I should call my friend, but that you haven't, you don't talk to on a regular basis. And then you find out a couple of weeks later, that day that you're going to call them, something tragic happened to somebody that they know. I guess what I'm getting at again is we have to be able to interpret and look at different things that happen and be able to say that is a sign of something beyond. Yeah, I think you have to look at both as a possibility. I don't think you can draw a conclusion and say this is 100% that, but you can say that's interesting that happened. It, uh, and I'm just talking about scientifically, like emotionally, you're going to have your experiences and I don't want to detract from that from anyone. But yeah, you can have that experience and note it. It might be really unique and really worth adding to as, wow, that's something that's just kind of inexplicable. But then also, how often do you just think about this person all the time and you suddenly, you know, you, we have so many thoughts a day. And you're like, oh, I always kind of keep all these people from my past always sort of pop into my head and that one just stands out and you're making a false, you know, association because this weird thing happened. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at things. I think in and of itself, you know, you have to have a lot more information and look through all the possibilities of what it could be. And I, I, do you think there's coincidence? I know some people who study this say there's no such thing as coincidence. I would guess there is coincidence if I could guess. And sure, it could be coincidence. And maybe it's also not. And it, you know, just because it's not highly evidential also doesn't mean it's not something that's communication. It's just, I, I don't think I would use that in and of itself as that convincing, but that doesn't mean, you know, every bit of communication doesn't have to be super convincing, but if you're going to use it as evidence, you know, be, it, I don't think it alone without the convincing stories would yeah, be valid. Does that does. make sense? Um, may I ask you? Sure. This, you got an interest in this because of the passing of your father, right? Um, right. Have you had communication from your father since then? And was it early on after his passing or is it something that's continued? And I ask this because it leads me back to you know, how much time does that entity, that spirit or that whatever it might be stay here? And if it's unfinished business, are they staying here for forever? So mm -hmm. what was it that, what sign, what gave you the thought of your father's communicating with you? 
Okay, I'll share the signs. I'll just say a few other things, though, first to add that. Like, again, I don't think it means they're staying here Mm -hmm. if they are communicating. Again, like, if, you know, like, let's even just look at the most basic of technology today. It doesn't mean you're not in, like, Australia if you're FaceTiming with someone in New York. And, I mean, 200 years ago, that would have been pure fantasy. So I don't think it means at all they're still here and not exactly in whatever next dimension. Um, and there's other reasons too tied into near-death experiences regarding time. Again, I have absolutely no idea, but people's grandparents communicate with them. Like you'll hear elderly people's grandparents communicate with them. So, I mean, I, yeah, I just think that it, it doesn't mean they're here or haven't moved. And I, it seems like this communication can go on for, I don't know how long. I mean, one day there's going to be the big crunch. So this whole universe is going to implode anyway. So you can't say quite forever there's going to be an Earth forever. But I would guess there's material universes. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, well, that will just keep big bangs, big crunches. But yeah, and now I'll get to the science. <laughs> that's probably what people are waiting to hear about. But um, yeah, I've gotten actually a lot of signs. And... I get communication through mediums and then, oh God, I mean, there's been so many amazing signs. I'll give one, this one's in my book. There's some others too, but this is probably the most standout one. And, um, so I disguise all my signs a little Uh bit in my book just, but at this point I'm getting so much evidence. I'm doing a little less disguising, but nevertheless. So in the book, it's a green feather and that's not so far away from what it actually was. And so I, in the book, put green as my father's favorite color. And he had this color that was really, really like his color. And so I had heard that feathers were signs from the other side. And I was kind of like, I heard that pretty early. And I was kind of like, that's bullshit. That makes no sense. You know, I, I mean, I was just, I tend to be a curious person. I like to learn things. And when I do, I like to approach it like not dismiss anything, just at least open-mindedly listen. So I was like, okay, I'll consider this. And I found really randomly one day in the street studying this, like a green feather sitting on the street. I'm like, that's really weird. That makes, okay, I'll consider it. So I took it home and fast forward, like maybe two years later, I'm at another Forever Family Foundation event and I'm Oh, I'm going to rewind a little bit. So take it maybe about a year later. I'm having a reading with one of the foundation mediums, Gina Simone, who's also an amazing medium. And she, you know, I ask her if I've ever gotten any signs from my dad. She asks, it says, in the end, do you have any questions? And I just always use that to get more evidence because that's kind of my personality. And... She, and she said, okay. And also just so you know, I hadn't given her my real information at the start of the reading. And I hadn't even known her at this point of my reading. I've gotten to know her since, but I hadn't really known her at this point. And I'm also very careful what I share at Forever Family events and with mediums, just so guests don't all dismiss this. So I asked Gina, you know, has my dad sent me any signs? And she said, well, you know, I don't, I tend to not like to say that because then you're going to get attached to this one thing. And if you want it to be something else, you might dismiss it. Like, let's say 
you wanted me to say a green feather. And I was like, okay, Gina, it was a green feather. And then it gets even crazier where I go to a Forever Family Foundation event. I'm taking little mini videos of all the mediums I'm going to post on Instagram, TikTok, everything, and asking them short little questions. Actually, this was before TikTok. This was a couple of years ago. And I, in the middle, they are Great retreats get so busy. I, Gina ends up leaving the last day before I have a chance to interview her. So I feel terrible. I, at the time, talked to, um, sadly, who Fran Ginsburg, who's passed away and was like my number one mentor and just most amazing person. And I said, you know, Fran, I'm so sorry. I missed getting Gina. And she said, no worries. Just email her. See if you can, if she wants you to just do it over online and you can still post the same information. So it's solved. Normally, like when a problem's solved, I don't think about it that much. For some reason, the whole train ride home, I kept obsessing about it, like stuck in my head. Like, I feel so bad. I miss Gina. That was so amazing when she got the green feather. And that became kind of like a loop in my head, like when a song stuck in your head. And I couldn't understand why I even cared because it was solved. And then like this green feather, green feather part of that thought just starts playing in my mind strongly on loop until I get home, get upstairs into my apartment, and a pile of green feathers were sitting in my room. I, I cannot, I, I don't know what to say. That is what I will say. There's some other of the biggest what the fucks you could imagine, but that is one of them. And there was even like a second part of it that got crazier. And I mean, I go into just like a little more details about that in my book, but like, and I've gotten more signs since then. And it's, it's just... I don't even know. It's I I do not have words for that experience. So. I, something like that that's so absolute and physical that it's uh, I my jaw would just drop and I, I yeah. would I would be scared. <laughs> oh, I wasn't scared. I was thrilled, but I also thought I might have been hallucinating. So I took a photo and sent it to Fran, and I was like, "This is really weird. Can you tell me? Do you see anything in this photo? I need you to verify that you actually see something." And she's like. I see them. You're not hallucinating, you know? So she said you, she got, she and Bob would get signs like that strong quite a bit from their daughter. So wow. she's like, get used to it, you know? And I was definitely not scared. I was thrilled. Like to me, just total obliteration of consciousness is a lot scarier than any weird shit that can happen here. So I was happy. I was thrilled. But I also was like, what the fuck? Like it's, I, that, when you said, are you seeing things? I very likely was like, I am hallucinating this right now. Yeah, something like and, that. You cannot, there's no way of doubting that at all. I see what you're saying because I see it as well. Mm -hmm. um, did they disappear later though? No, I still oh have them. Gosh. I've shown them in person to people. I keep them. They're like in a little special thing by my bed and... I, you know, I even asked Fran, I was like, is there a lab I can send them to? And see if, she's like, well, what lab? Where? And what? They wouldn't even know what to study, what to check yeah. for. So, um, yeah. Early on, I had mentioned, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you are communication with or that you know. You just have to be aware of these signs and know how to interpret them. Dreams. The reason I ask this is I had a very odd dream and it seemed very, very real this morning. And I know a lot of folks go through that. Is a dream another part of the afterlife world of somebody trying to come through and pass on a message? Is that a possibility as well? I think it's a possibility. I've heard it's a possibility. Um, I've had a few weird dream experiences myself. So 
you know, as well as some vivid dreams. I'm, I'd say one of the most interesting dream experiences and also Again, there's research that's been done on this. I mean, going way back, like I think even in the 1800s, I'll just talk a little about the research and I'll share my personal experience. Yes. Um, if you go to like look through old catalogs of the Society for Cyclical Research, they've done studies on dream visitations and some that are verified. And then there is um, J.W. Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, I believe it's J.W. Dunn, um, experiment with time, he began to notice that he had dreams that would predict the future. I mean, then stupid little things, nothing of meaning, you know, I mean, and I've had, when I started writing down all my dreams and reading this, I've had little experiences too of predicting the future in my dreams. But again, really stupid. Like I had a dream that I was going to one of my gym classes, I do class pass, so I was going to one of the studios I go to a lot and I dreamt about a place that looked very similar to the outdoor area of the studio in LA because I live in both New York and LA and I dreamt about like these four juices and then that day they were doing a promotion mm. the next day of like different juices and there were four juices I'm like okay I mean that's cool. Can I get some lottery numbers or like the next crypto investment or what next startup to invest in? I mean, I'll take it though, because it's very scientifically fascinating. So I don't, I'm not going to dismiss it. And I had another dream where like I dreamt this specific home of a someone's brother that I kind of knew just coincidentally. And I was seeing them the next day and I just thought, kind of pull out and be like, oh, I had a dream with you and drew the place. And they were like, that's actually my brother's like weekend home. I'm like, that's so weird. And then I'd say probably like, I thought this was a pretty meaningful dream. It was very shortly after the passing of Fran. And that was something that was, you know, she was very important to me. And that was really hard. And I had a very specific dream one night where I was in this like huge kind of loft conference space and a group of our, the Forever Family mediums were there, some who were on are, you know, the Forever Family Advisory Board, some who are just ones that I know pretty well. And in the dream, one of them was like showing me this, like, I mean, I won't go into all the details yeah. of the dream, but this other medium was there, Janet Mayer in it, and showing me like this leather bound book that had apparently been written by, I believe, Fran and her daughter Bailey and was giving me this specific information. And, you know, I kind of thought of it as a dream, but I remembered it really clearly, but you know, I go through phases where I work on remembering my dreams and writing them down, but I was not in one of those phases at the time. So it was interesting that I remembered it clearly. And then, you know, this was still before vaccines and we were all in quarantine and we all had a Zoom, a bunch of us from Forever Family, and someone starts to share their dream. And it was that dream. I mean, a little bit different, you know, but the same way it would be a different perspective if we really were all in the room. And they had been in my dream too, like a bunch of the Forever Family volunteers. And we were all getting information, like a conference about like steps for Forever Family. And then another person in the group had the same dream. I mean, there were little differences. Like I pictured like uh, my dream was like a certain type of office space, you know, someone else's was a little different, but it was all the same concept. And three of us all had the same dream. I think they both had it the night before me and I had it the next night. And that was just so weird. Like one of the people I know, I believe who had the dream is Annette Marinaccio, who's one of the volunteers. And she also wrote a great book too called Your Soul Focus. I just have to give that a shout out because she's, you know, if anyone interested in this would love her too. But, you know, she and like a few of us had 
this scene. Draymond, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, that is. Uh, that almost leads me to think beyond the uh, life after death because if somebody, if multiple people are having the same or similar dream and they put you in that same position, is there something else at, at play? And that's where it comes in for me as far as, like you are saying earlier on, I don't want to call myself a believer, but there's something else out there that is manipulating or doing something. Uh, and then when it, to me, when it becomes on the level where there's multiple people experiencing that same thing, I think there's other forces at work. That might sound crazy, but that's what I think. Yeah, uh, I certainly hope so. I think it's really logical to conclude that. It's coming back again with that with that dream and being able to interpret things. And one person may interpret something differently. Um, uh, you know, just just like you, if if somebody's thinking about a, a feather or something like that, they're just going to think, oh, yeah, I think I just saw a bird the other day. But it could be something else. Like I said, a feather means something. It's uh, you have to be able to interpret it the correct way in order to realize that there is something um, that is trying to communicate with you. So are there any things that you could say as far as how people can help themselves be able to interpret whatever might be happening around them rather than dismissing it as um, just just dismissing it? I mean, how does one decide that that is an interpretation of communication? Does that make sense? Um. It does. I think learn as much as you can. Read about it. There's another book. I'm plugging sure. all my forever family <laughs> people here. I was trying, um, Laura Lynn Jackson, one of, um, one of our um, scientific advisor, uh, sorry, our medium advisory board members wrote a book called Signs on this. Um, you know, read Bob Ginsburg's book. Just read as much as you can about this. And then if you just want to learn more, then Another aspect is if you feel like, oh, my God, everything's because there seem to be two extremes. The one people that completely dismiss it and the people who believe everything. So regarding the people who believe everything. I mean, I don't know. I don't really have advice mm -hmm. like they're probably feeling they're probably not looking to challenge that. They're getting a lot of emotional comfort. So I don't even want to go there like whatever. You know, I, I have so much respect for whatever you need to get through grave. It's so hard. Um, and this is a bit of a psychological mindset, I guess, for the people who are curious, but just absolutely can't believe any of it. Like, just take a year and pretend, what if this is true? It doesn't mean you lie to yourself, but write down and of course say this, it could be this, but it could also be this. And it can't hurt to do that. And then within that, I mean, do, like, is does it, is it something that's not just, that's out of the norm? Like, if they say feathers are from signs from the other side and you are in a park like central park where there's a lot of birds and you see a feather like okay that's probably that's not a sign right. if you know your loved one had a certain hobby you know like my dad had a certain hobby that i've had some very interesting signs related to and if you know if they have a hobby and let's say their hobby is like I don't know, let's say they're a painter and you go to a museum and, you know, you see like in the back room, like a kid's class on painting, that's probably not a sign. But if you're like, get on an airplane and there's a paintbrush very oddly sitting on your seat. I mean, it has to be something that just is related to the sign and is completely out of place. And sometimes 
you feel weird. Like I felt very wavy, weird brain meditation-y feelings when I've gotten some of my most extreme signs. And one of that involved, like, it, are you doing something that's out of the norm of your behavior to get the sign? Like that is how I got one of the signs in my book and not anything weird. I wasn't like singing on tables, but I just kind of walked a little out of the way in a way that I normally wouldn't have and like stopped and kind of moseyed along. And I'm a New Yorker. I don't walk slowly. And I just sort of walked slowly and moseyed along and saw this sign from my dad. So, and that it was just very unexpected and very like something atypical. So but don't try to like force yourself to do that. It just, if it happens, it'll just happen in some weird way. And I'd say those are the best advice I can give about signs and make signs with them. But sometimes if you see something, if you don't make a sign, I mean, don't make a sign that's super common, but like I'm going to see an iPhone today, you know, make a, a sign for something you wouldn't see, you know? And also, even if you don't make a sign, but it's something that's just so important to them or like their name or, you know, one of their hobbies, but you didn't make that a sign. And then you see it in an unexpected way. Yeah. Like I'd consider that. And then just give yourself permission to consider it. Like if you're feeling really skeptical, you don't have to draw a conclusion. It doesn't mean you're saying this is a fact. You're not submitting like a peer reviewed paper to like the Harvard medical journal. Like no one's laughing at you. If you just are like, even to yourself or like, that's interesting. And I'll notice it. I like the way you put all that, especially the fact that if it's an everyday occurrence and you see, like you said, you're a painter and you go to the paint store and there's paintbrushes, don't go, oh, it's a sign. But take okay. into account that if you, again, as you mentioned, you're going to take a flight someplace and you go to sit in your seat and there's a paintbrush on your seat or, or whatever it might be, or you're driving down the road, your normal route, and you see an easel that's just out on the street for some reason take that into yeah. consideration and also I, I think that again I'm gonna go back to say that uh, so many times you hear people go oh my gosh deja vu well well it is can't can't you call that is that another sign of some sort Maybe. yeah I don't know I, I have no thoughts on deja vu I mean I'm curious about it I'm open but I just haven't had I mean I've ex everyone's experienced deja vu but I can't say I know at all what that is yeah so. I, I guess that is true because who what is deja vu is that fortune telling is that something telling you the future and again if it is did i conjure it up myself or is it a coincidence again this is where i think like don't jump to conclusions like if i walk into a place and experience deja vu interesting maybe i dreamt it maybe it reminds me of something maybe it's just the trick of the chemicals of the brain and i'm just feeling a little weird like could be anything but then go into something where it's evidential again i'm going to mention lloyd arbach he shared he's had dreams of like things that were going to happen and again not these major psychic like he's not a psychic himself but as he'll say when you start studying this you do start to have some of your own experiences and he'll have a dream where he has a conversation with someone then he runs into that person and he has done things it suddenly turns into the same conversation he says as a joke to kind of fuck with them he'll say suddenly what they he knows they're gonna say because he remembers from the dream and they are so confused and that it's because he's had the dream so maybe we all have psychic dreams all the time and that's what deja vu is and we don't remember them i'd say most of us don't remember our dreams or don't remember them clearly mm -hmm. and yeah i have to agree with you on that because like i said i had this dream this morning and it's already fading I'm trying to figure out what exactly was it. 
write it down. Yeah, yes. I notice when I write down my dreams, I remember them in ways I never thought possible and remember them in depth. And as I said, I started to notice I was having like predictive dreams. Nothing again major, but just these weird little predictive, which makes me think that might be part of deja vu, but I don't yeah. know. You know. I'd have to read a study that had some evidence before I took it. More than just, oh, that could be cool. It, this has really been interesting, just listening to you and having a conversation. Uh, I want to also make sure that people out there know that you do have a highly rated podcast as well, right? I do. Oh, thank you for calling it highly rated. I'm working on that, so I appreciate it. Thank you. It's highly rated. <laughs> it's highly rated. I'm working on it. Yeah, it's gotten some so, good views and feedback and numbers, which I very am appreciative of and appreciate you mentioning yeah, that. So thank uh, you. So where are people going to find your podcast? So, again, you can link to that on my website, but it's also on all the standard and not so standard podcast apps and it's called WTF just happened and I have like tags with it like afterlife afterlife evidence I believe I put like all about the afterlife no woo but you know there's other WTF just happened podcast but mine's the one that has the word afterlife in the tag that you'll see really clearly when you go okay. to it and yeah so. definitely like you said uh, folks can go to uh, WTF just happened dot net uh, for your website, and Correct. they can find all the information there from your from your book to your podcast to other information that's available. Once again, this has been really informative, uh, not just for me, but I'm sure for the listeners. I think it's been very interesting as far as listening to somebody's firsthand experience uh, about afterlife and also somebody who takes it through a logical process and not just takes it at at face value saying, oh, I know it is because that's what it is. I saw it. Um, so thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed yeah. this experience and I really enjoyed speaking with you too. Was there anything else that you could think of that you would like to close with uh, before we end out the session? Um, I feel like everything was pretty covered. I guess just what I always try to say, just like keep an open mind like you just considering this this was what helped me when i just was like oh i can't how could i even take myself seriously even thinking this or reading a book by a medium or just like it doesn't hurt to consider anything intelligent curious people just consider things even just give yourself one hour a day where you're like let's pretend this is true write it down then you can go back to being logical or just you can always just nothing hurts to consider yeah. it's just consider it like a intellectual mind game like uh, you know, I do games mentally where I'll be like, what if this is true? And it's something I would never consider true just for fun. So try doing that and just see what happens and then see if you actually do end up thinking there's enough evidence. 